Oh, but hey, uh, despite this brief exchange of words, maybe what, five sentences and a little bit of music? Hey, Tobias is back with Axe, having found Eric to get him to go to the building and then really, and gotten Axe. It it makes no sense. I had to go back and read this a few times because I was like, how how is he here so mm-hmm. quickly? It's yeah. it's it's literally Jake says, Can we go in after them? Cassie's like, smallest more flea, tick. Uh Ka- Rachel says, ticks are useless in battle. Marco's like, Are you gonna have a battle in my nose? Rachel says, Do you have a better suggestion? Marco says, No, and slumps down. Jake demands ideas. Cassie sighs and says, well, we can shrink ourselves. Nobody said anything for a few beats, considering pretending not to glance at Marco. That could work, Jake said tentatively. What could work, Tobias asked. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's fewer than Uh 10 Mm -hmm. things of dialogue. Like, (laughs) and then we get. We were just thinking about using the controls aboard the Helmicron ship to shrink ourselves and go after the aliens in Marco's nose. Yes, Axe said, I believe it is the only way. <laughs> All right, Axe. <laughs> He's just like, we have to find the Helmicrons. They have too much information. And then out of nowhere, uh, we get Mark going, this is so magic school bus, Rachel. Have I ever told you that you could definitely be my Miss Frizzle? And I'm like, look, Ghost Rider. Who amongst us have not looked at Miss Frizzle and gone, oh, I love her a little bit. That's, I think that's a normal experience. And then when you are older, you go, hmm, my feelings for Miss Frizzle were perhaps not as innocent as I thought. (laughs) But of all characters, this is a girl that he frequently refers to as Xena. Mm -hmm. Xena, Miss Frizzle. Yeah. If anything, Cassie is Miss Frizzle. Yes. I'm sorry, like, love me, Miss Frizzle. Love me, a fucking chaotic, possible witch magic lady. But this is, like, she's clearly an older lady who, like, has potent lesbian vibes, is voiced by Lily Tomlin. We stan a queen. Um, And to be fair, there is a touch of the, oh, well, let's just dive in and see what happens energy to Miss Frizzle. That's the only valid... Mm-hmm. point i could maybe see and that's if i'm being really generous they don't even look alike though like nothing i could see miss no. frizzle making the war cry sound though <laughs> yes that i could see lucy lawless could play miss frizzle miss frizzle could play Xena the Warrior Princess. <laughs> That's not the debate we're having. <laughs> fan fiction writers take fucking notes. <laughs> Speaking of fan fiction, I am. Yeah, no. My, one of my favorite crossover crack ships is Miss Frizzle Mary Poppins. Oh, to yes. be clear. Oh, that's good. Because yes, yes, yes. I love them. Um, regardless, this is a nonsensical phrase out of nowhere. The Magic School Bus reference is relevant. It's one of the few specific episodes of the Magic School Bus show I can remember where they go into Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but as I said at the top, referencing that specific episode that this book is proceeding to rip off um, and the movie Fantastic Voyage is not doing enough to warrant this. It's like lampshade hanging only works if you're going to do something interesting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because Axis pointed out, like, we can't just leave the Helmocrons to it, not that they were really going to, um, because Axis pointed out the Helmocrons have too much information. Apparently, Cassie can't think of what that would be, but Marco is the one that points out that the Helmocrons know that they're humans with the morphing power. Granted, the Helmocrons hate the Yerks, and the Yerks don't care for the Helmocrons. But if they were to learn that Vissa 3 is looking for a group of morphing bandits and there's something in it for them, the Helmocrons would sell them out. And I think that's a fair assumption based on what we've seen of the Helmocrons. Yes, but also they let them go at the end of the last one. 
and they let them go at the That's end of true. this one. It's inconsistent. <laughs> they bring I suppose, up this I assume thing. the hope is like, oh, well, if we give them what they want, then they won't need to go to the Ergs. But yeah, it's yeah, all over yeah. the place and inconsistent. Um, And then they just have Michael like, isn't anyone going to ask me what I think? Um, uh, But Rachel says, oh, well, he, he's already accepted the plan. Um, and we have this weird little Jake giving Marco an impatient look and then Marco weakly responding. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what is this? What is this characterization of Marco? Yeah. Words mean things. Hey, Emily Costello, do you just not like Marco? I mean... Look, I get lots of people don't like Marco. They're wrong. But that's their opinion. They're entitled to it. But, you know, they're not writing Animorphs. <laughs> she does give him rapes. <clears throat> for yeah. no reason. Mm -hmm. Except that he needs to make dumb choices, apparently. So she gave him rapes. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, that's going to come <laughs> up later. Because, now, I don't know enough about rabies. This is one of the, I know, like, Somebody, uh, Izzy would probably know. Izzy, I know they're uh, pretty switched on about that kind of intel. But regardless, I don't know if it kicks in that quickly with a dog that is not that wildly infected. That dog, the dog that bites Marco, is just a bit angry. And to be fair, Marco is in their place. That's a fairly standard amount of reactive for a dog, mm -hmm. especially if it's a dog that's been trained mm -hmm. to do so. They make it a pit bull is just like mm, okay, but animorphs have been trading on animal stereotypes since book one. So. Are you re are you ready for this? The time oh, period between contracting the disease and the start of symptoms is usually one to three months, but can vary from less than one week to more than a year. The time depends on the distance the virus must travel along peripheral nerves to reach the central nervous system. Well, there you go. Kids. Why would you do that? That's from the World Health so Organization. <laughs> I hate this. This is so dumb. Because I, I knew it was fucking weird because he starts showing symptoms in like 12 hours, right? And I knew that was weird because mm -hmm. I just read a story about um, uh, uh, Pasteur who invented the rabies mm. vaccine. And then there were these people from Russia who had contracted rabies and walked all the fuck the way to France to get the vaccine because it was literally their only chance. Because if you contract rabies and you start showing symptoms, you are dead. 100% Yeah, that was my understanding. Yeah, like, no. Rabies is slow to kick in or can be slow to kick in, but you do need to get treated because once it becomes visible, it's too late. Yes. Yeah. Rabies is scary as Fuck. Uh. But, like. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about the inconsistencies anyway. in the portrayal of rabies later. Christ. One <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, of the kids should have acquired the rabies virus as a morph. God, that would be fascinating. Oh, that would be so fucking weird. Um, alright. So, anyway, I can't. No, now how? Yeah, you put the thought of acquiring fucking bacteria or viruses as as a morph. Mm. Yeah, but hey, it's time to. Uh, I say, get the plot moving. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we get some more whining from Marco. And he's annoyed that the Helmicrons have shown up because he's already used his Honey, I Shrunk the Animorphs joke. Mm -hmm. uh, we get the reel of why Cassie keeps, has, or had hidden the cube in this freezer. Of all um, the things that they could have stuck to canon for, they choose this. I'm so mad. Yeah, because Cassie has kept it in the freezer um, because the, this way nothing living can um, accidentally encounter it. You know, that, that bit of law that uh, <laughs> got established in that book. That makes no sense. 
I also want to give... I mentioned to um, Danielle. Yeah, no, you mm-hmm. go. No, you go. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I had seen an ant just crawl across the morphic cube and then have the ability to morph, I would simply get a hammer and destroy it immediately. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But, you know. Um, I also appreciate the, um... People can do what they like with their own freezer, and when stuff is frozen, cross-contamination isn't likely. Mm-hmm. But I do find it gross that Cassie's dad keeps uh, popsicles in the same freezer as animal bodily fluids. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. doesn't feel hygienic. <laughs> I do keep mice in my outside freezer, so I can't really. No, <laughs> because I'm. that is not the same thing as <laughs> bodily fluids. Fair. Like, I, at the end of the day, people can be squeamish about it, but frozen mice are meat. Mm-hmm. It's still meat. And you keeping it in the freezer with the other meat and food is not the same as they say bodily fluids because I'm fairly certain they can't say blood or the other bodily fluid that's likely to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely that one. <laughs> It has to be that one. I'm not to be squeamish. I'm a grown-up. I'm sorry, but you do not want, even frozen, that container is not something I would want near something I was going to be eating. I'm just saying. And then for some reason that Rachel decides to feel kind of squeamish about the fact that that's going on, that there is like frozen grubs and stuff in the freezer. And just a weird little aside about that. And then Axe gets to work on the Helmicron ship. And I do like the visual of him using little surgical equipment mm-hmm. to manipulate uh, the ship. That That's a good little visual. Like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually have one of the few not loathsome moments of this book. Mm-hmm. Where um, Rachel just goes and sits with Marco. Yeah. And she just asks him if he's okay. Um, and he makes a crack about he always wanted to grow up to be the Helmicron Holiday Inn. Um, and she, it wasn't funny, but I smiled anyway. We're going to get them, I told Marco. An hour later, Axe was finished. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Talk about a transition. Transition who? Never met her. Oh, I feel like this could be such a good moment because we know that Rachel cannot stand a lack of control. And mm-hmm. that's what's happening here to Marco, right? Is that he has no control over what's going to happen. Uh, and... Like... It- like... We we know that Rachel and Marco do not always have the best of relationships. Um, mostly because they're good at fucking hitting each other's weak spots. Mm-hmm. But at this point, they have reached an understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't always like what they see there, it's not like like Marco doesn't judge Rachel. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really judge him. Yeah. And that's that's one of the ways they're on sort of equal footing with each other. Yeah. And I don't... Again, this comes back to that sort of flanderization of Rachel that we see. I don't think she would just sit there in silence, even if she would be reluctant to hug him, because that might feel a little out of character for her. Mm-hmm. Because Rachel, aside from Cassie, and Tobias is not actually the most touchy of people. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But it does feel weird to me that she would just sit in silence for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, Axe finishes the what setting ever setting up whatever the fuck he needs to set up 
the target size has been set. Uh, just need to touch the panel and it would engage the shrink ray. Um, Rachel is full of nervous energy, anxious to get moving, which makes sense. The Helmicrons had been in Marco's body for over an hour. Plenty of time to do damage. You would think. <laughs> Fucking. Um. There's a brief nonsensical argument about whether Axe is going to stay behind with Marco or whether he's going to come with everybody. But of course he's going to come with everybody because they need everybody to fight the Helmicrons. Um. And. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did very much like the the little thing of. What is Axe going to do for me here? Hold my hand? <laughs> yes. Moral support. <laughs> Have your boyfriend. <laughs> um. We also get another plot relevant detail. I say those terms with big old air quotes <laughs> about Axe strongly advising Marco not to morph while we are inside his body. Yes. Um, because there's no way to predict what the redistribution of his mass into Z space and the fact that there would be fo uh, foreign DNA would do to the rest of them while inside him. Right. And then we get, God, that Marco, uh, not really acts try English. Like, no, Marco understood that. Mm -hmm. Fine. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Emily Costello. <laughs> yeah. It's. <sighs> um, and then we have one of the few little bits that does feel like genuine Marco banter. Because mm -hmm. um, Jake's just like, I'm hoping we won't be gone long, but Marco, yeah, yeah, Eric's phone number is on the fridge. Listen, is it okay if I help myself to a snack after the kids go to bed? Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that, that is my son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. And then for some reason, they have Jake go, okay, in the words of my gung-ho cousin, let's do it. Like, why not just have Rachel do it? Yeah. Book why? This isn't really a Rachel um, book. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cassie points out they should hold hands so they don't get separated when they shrink. A solid idea. Mm -hmm. Props to Cassie. Um, uh, Axe gives Marco the instructions. Uh, and they get shrunk down. Um, um, I do like the line of "Hey Marco, from this angle, you actually look tall," <laughs> <laughs> and the "Hey, cool," <laughs> like that. Um, and there's the observation of how different it feels when they've morphed like smaller things. Mm -hmm. Um, get some fun references to uh, borrowers, Thumbelina and friends. Uh, good shit. Um. And then they're calling up to Marco just right. Remember, no morphing because apparently Jake needs to reiterate the point that Marco's already got very clear. Um, but Marco can't hear them at that point. They're like too far away. So Axe yells in thought speak. Mm -hmm. um, and here things start getting really dumb. I say start getting really dumb. <laughs> the dumb kicks up a gear. Because Marco thinks of something, um, and his voice just cuts off mid-sentence. They can see that he's still talking, um, but they can't hear him. Because apparently, they're too small to hear sounds. <laughs> I fucking hate this. I <laughs> fucking hate this. We've seen them in small morphs. You can still hear stuff, even as a flea, you're vaguely aware of it because you can hear heartbeats, if nothing else. There is no reason. It Sound is waves. You would feel them if you can't hear them. I hate it. I hate it. It's dumb. It's a bullshit <laughs> way of creating one more element of drama slash obstacle between them so Marco can't communicate with them. <laughs> They do say no that sense. they do say that they can sense his words as sound waves, but even so, 
It is a yeah. contrivance. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I missed the line about uh, they can feel the words, but they're too small to comprehend what the words are. And I'm like, but um, no, no. I think that's how it works when they're fleas. But I don't remember. It's been a while. So at this point, at this point, it's implied that they're smaller than they have ever been for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're they're way smaller than fleas are at this point. Yeah, they're um, they're going quantum. This is full Ant Man mode. Um, and the it doesn't not make sense to me because if I wanted to give the writer the benefit of the doubt, which I don't really, but I will. Uh, <laughs> how could you? <laughs> um, the the shape of the ear and the bones in the ear help to determine like what frequency Mm. of sounds we can hear and so it's not necessarily that they can't hear it as like it's the human voice has gone infrasonic so like how elephants can communicate infrasonically across miles and miles um Mm. and we can't really hear it because the sound waves are literally just too big um Mm for our brain to interpret. And I think that's what I'm what I'm getting from this is like that that sense I think of if if they had said like we could still hear him but the words didn't make sense it would bother me less mm-hmm. because it's on such a different scale because to nod back like I pre I don't know enough about um like infrasonics and stuff like that. That I can see that making sense. But you, the to the casual reader mm-hmm. who maybe does who knows mm-hmm. less about that kind of thing, it just it feels very nonsense. And like the thing about like the comparison to like the fleas and stuff they've more before, they don't have ears in the same way that humans <laughs> do. Mm-hmm. That are designed to process sound. Like mm-hmm. the human ear is incredible, even if we aren't as like sensitive. Or it's not as keen as like a lot of animals. Like that shit's real good at what it does. Mm-hmm. So, but they figure out that because they apparently can't hear Marco anymore, and they didn't have any problem hearing each other last time when they got shrunk to Helmicron size. Um, something's clearly gone wrong. Because they're smaller than they were last time. Mm-hmm. And then, for no goddamn fucking reason, we switch to Marco's point of view. Mm-hmm. I hate that this happens. We, so, we only have one more book from Rachel's point of view after this one. Like, the fact that Rachel not only is just flanderized shit back, but also has to share this book with Marco's POV makes me so mad. But Danielle, how else could we possibly know what was going on? It's not like there could be some clever context clues. (laughs) <laughs> that, like, imply what might be going on while in the perspective of being inside the body. <laughs> that would uh, be silly. It implies a real lack of creativity. Yeah. Frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As well as, like, the injustice of it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I said this, you guys know, listeners, I love my son very much. Um... This isn't fair. This mm-hmm. is, again, bad writing. And it's not like she's only going to write a Margo anyway. Mm-hmm. So cool, we're going to break up our badly written Rachel book for some badly written Marco. Yeah. Everybody loses. Yeah. Because they have to take on the B-plot. Yeah. Nothing that is in this chapter couldn't be in Rachel's point of view. Like. Yeah. And because even in later chapters, go, with this... go ahead. So please, no, no, you. It's it, even in later chapters where like we're seeing Marco do shit. 
I, I think it would be way more interesting if we get to the end of this book, we get out of Marco's body. He's not in the barn anymore. Where the fuck are we? What happened? Marco finally wakes up and he's like, oh yeah, I took care of the camera thing. Like, <laughs> that would be, would be way more interesting be, to me. <laughs> that would be in character. Right? And the fact is like, also, if they hadn't done the contrivance of, oh, well, they're so small, they can't hear Marco anymore. It's like, bullshit. You painted yourself into another corner. Mm-hmm. You could have had him being able to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, hi, hello. This is me in the metaspace going, this is why they should morph humans more often. He could have done that first, and then it would be <laughs> fine. do 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 do, do. Um. But, you know, it's ethically wrong for the Animorphs to turn into humans, (laughs) don't you know? Yep. Terrible. Absolutely horrendous. How dare they? Mm. Mad about it. (laughs) But, yeah, so we get this weird fucking bullshit who's on first kind of interplay where they have to tell Marco, okay, we can't hear you anymore. Um, Sorry about that. Okay, and, and like how, and I pretty know that this is making Marco feel very cut off, mm-hmm. which, you know, understandable. Um, I'm just like, it's okay, we're all on this piece of hay. You need to pick it up and put us, put it in your nose. Um, all right. They're having seconds. Oh, well, should have organized better before this. Um, and he is starting to freak out. And that bothers me less here because, mm-hmm. like, there's been enough time for him to think about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, the implications of just what kind of damage this could do to his body. Um, suddenly, um, Tobias is screaming because he's known to be a yeller when in distress. That's absolutely canonical for Tobias. Um, and acts very chill, like, Marco, now would be an excellent time to remove us from the floor. And he wants them to tell him, tell them where he is, but obviously they can't hear him. And he spots a beetle on the floor um, and figures, ah, so clearly uh, the others are near this beetle. Um, so he drops down there and he spots a few too colorful grains of sand. Um, he's able to count that there are five distinct ones so he just picks up the beetle and flings it away. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, we cut back to Rachel, apparently having an, uh, the little vacation in the hay forest was nice, but she's ready to leave, especially after the beetle episode. What a really shitty way of dealing with that. Just like, yeah, so because we, we had Marco's perspective on it. So all we know is... Tobias screaming and Marco spotting the beetle and flinging it away. Mm-hmm. And, and then so something really compelling. exciting and cool happened. But you don't Thrilling get to see literature. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then they sort of suss out how, and there's some weird sort of like back and forth time-wise. Um, but they figure out, one, apparently... The whole thing about how ants are strong because they're small. So is Rachel now. Uh, They all are uh, because that's how that works. But uh, they're able to get onto a strand of hay. And uh, we get the kind of cool notion of like because of how small they are. The act of just Marco lifting this hay exerts a lot of Mm G-force on them. And they're just like, yeah, slow down, slow down, slow down. Um... Um, but they're able to uh, to get up there. That we get the reference to the fantastic Fantastic Voyage. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, to, uh, from Tobias, like that was an old sci-fi movie. This is a horror flick, and I'm like, Meh. <laughs> and then they, uh, the hay is inserted into Marco's nostril, and they all disembark, and we get some lovely descriptions of the inside of the human nose. Just the, the the wall was oddly warm. <laughs> and the uh, hair's like saplings. Yep. Yep. Uh, 
so they're just chilling on the hairs in his lower nose, and they decide we should all get wings, so they all morph bird and just fly up his nose. Um, it takes them forever, uh, because they have to battle his breathing, although why his inhale doesn't pull him in. Pull him in, I don't know. Who the fuck cares? Nothing matters. Uh, Couldn't think to fucking thought speak while then morph to Marco to breathe through his mouth, not his nose. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so they Marco's hear nose. the Helmicrons. They catch up with the Helmicrons. Yeah. Who are and- huge now. Yeah, the the human the Helmicrons are weirdly large. Um exactly a hundred times air our traffic size. control towers. Like That's not right. <laughs> I don't know how big an air traffic control tower is. Hey Shark, how tall is an air traffic control tower? I don't know. I, that's <laughs> that's not the stuff I'm near, usually. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but the, the kids are, uh, in Axe's words, they appear to be exactly a hundred times our size. How? It is possible. Perhaps I made a miscalculation when I calculated the shrinking device, which is totally possible. <laughs> uh, uh, there's uh, a fucking great Tumblr post I saw the other day mm-hmm. about how, how you've got to feel sorry for Axe, because this kid was a fucking jock. Mm-hmm. Um... And he's just got stuck on Earth having to be the nerd. Yeah. Uh, for, because he just knows some science stuff, the things he barely <laughs> paid attention to. He's just like, I was meant to be on a football team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, that really fucking made me laugh. Like the notion of being utterly unqualified. Yeah. Um, but by the comparison of the people you're with, you are. Mm-hmm. And just how terrifying that would be. Like thinking about the classes I barely passed at school and then having to go be an expert on that for somebody else. Mm-hmm, horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it turns out he didn't make a mistake. It's just the fact that the Helmicrons thought ahead to the fact that the humans would try to shrink themselves and sabotaged the shrink ray. So that it would be a hundred times smaller than whatever they set it as. Yeah, what they did was they just shifted the decimal point over. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just, just by a magnitude of two. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. They just picked, they just like defaced these little viewfinder screens so that the dice was a little bit further over. Mm-hmm. Uh, You'll be thrilled to know that air traffic control towers are. Um, looks like the top ten tallest in the U.S. are almost 400 feet, so it kind of checks out. Mm. This was uh, what everyone wanted to know, you. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The The kids are roughly the size of the width of your pinky finger to the Helmicrons. So... This is so stupidly small. It's, it is, mm-hmm. I did the math. It's smaller than an eyelash mite. It's smaller than the width of a human hair. Like, it's so stupidly small. This is what we're talking about. Like, the more <laughs> you specify, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because now we're deep in the fucking weeds, and the weeds are terrifyingly tall because we are small. Yeah. Um, just, oh, just I fucking, so fucking forgot bullshit. my note earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. from when they were talking about, oh, don't morph; it's so super dangerous. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just morph without the kids inside you? Just morph a whole bunch of different fucking thing. Morph a flea. Send those fuckers mm-hmm. into Z-Space. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's the fear that having things inside you could, like, explode you if you go small. But... So, 
No. <laughs> Even so. It, yeah. I mean, like, yes, I think they'll be much more interesting, but I can also see Marco being the kind of kid that absolutely has watched uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly and is like, mm, nope, nope, not risking that. I mean, Wasn't they it don't even in the previous was... book that they all watched The Fly. Yes, I think it is actually. <laughs> yes, that was right before book six. Um, the the uh... don't let children watch David Cronenberg movies, please. Yeah, because because that so that's a valid point, right? So when they when they did the shark thing, they couldn't morph anything small because they had computers in their brains that they didn't think were part of their bodies, and so they couldn't morph it away. Right? Okay, sure. So maybe the helmicrons aren't don't count as that. But you can still, like, I don't know, just morph roach, morph any number of things that are larger than a roach, that have different biology. Hey, morph a hork Like, mm. just morph weird shit! I also still maintain that he should have just made himself throw up. Also this. <laughs> there were easier solutions. There were so many easier so solutions. Many. At <laughs> least things that they could have tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So the the Helmic they have come upon the Helmcron. The kids have come upon the Helmcrons in Marco's nose. Um, they are very large, and uh, they are all gathered around one of their comrades who has gotten stuck in some snot. Um, presumably a while back because they have not made any further progress getting right. into the mm -hmm. nasal canal apparently they've been sitting around also, here for an hour because it didn't yeah. take the I kids also, that long yeah I also appreciate like the Helmocrons don't especially know human biology mm -hmm. um, but if you're in the nose why not just go up through the sinuses to the brain if you want to cause some fucking damage. <laughs> like, don't go down. Go up. Mm -hmm. Hell, we could have had tiny, tiny animals looking out Marco's eyes if you wanted to get a hint <laughs> on what was happening out there. Like, that's, that's not how that works, but yeah. <laughs> you just push through. Absolutely how that works, Danielle. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen Osmosis uh, Jones. That's how that uh -huh. works. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like that uh, old comic uh, where, or it's like Inside Out, right? You just get into the right section of the brain and then you can see out through the eyes. <laughs> totally how that works. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, Disclaimer, we are not a science podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Danielle is a te is a scientist. This is not a science podcast. Uh, so the the Helmicrons are debating whether to get their comrade out, and the Animorphs are debating whether to fight them here or not. Um, and <laughs> it takes Cassie just forever to figure out what has happened to the Helmicron <laughs> to get him stuck. Sure. Um, but basically, there's like this huge incoming wind that's a totally different rhythm than before. I don't like at first I thought it was a sneeze, but I don't think it is. I think it's like he's riding his bike and breathing heavier. Mm -hmm. Um, but the kids take shelter in some nearby patches of snot so that they're stuck. Relatively. Um, and one of the Helmicrons gets just blown out of Marco's nose. He should have just blown his nose. What's well, that? <laughs> uh, and then the wind is gone. So. Uh huh. Who knows what it was? We don't learn. So we cut back to Marco, because it's so necessary to have Marco's point of view here. 
with Marco just standing around doing nothing and feeling bad about doing nothing. <laughs> he rides his bike home, which is why I think it's like heavy breathing and not a sneeze. And he like he doesn't know what to do. Um he's thinking about the fantastic voyage. He's thinking about, like, should I go home and lie perfectly still? Maybe, but also if I'm gonna die, I don't want to do it staring at the ceiling of my bedroom, which, fair. Uh, and so he changes directions midway to his route home and heads towards the industrial outskirts of town toward the photographer kid's apartment. So clearly this place is farther away than just five minutes. <laughs> yeah, they specify uh, later down the page it is 11 o'clock at this point which means it took mm. him about an hour to get here. A little <laughs> over an hour. Uh. I sketched this out. <laughs> also, please take note that at this point, before he gets bitten it is 11 o'clock in the morning. Yes. This will be important later. For me, specifically. I mean, it, it will be important but it also will not be important. Right. It's important for me to be able to complain about it later. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so he, he goes up to the building that the kid lives in. He says hi to the Chi, who is uh, hiding out next to the building, watching the front door. Um, and Margo's like, how do I get the thing? Oh, I know. I can just do the thing that millions of burglars do all the time and just break in through the window. Why was this such a... Why, Why were you arguing this? You can just break in! Uh. So he climbs the fire escape up to the window where this kid supposedly lives, he can see through the window a disposable camera, so he's like, yes, this is the right place. Great. Um, and he starts to open the window, and then he hears a dog coming his way. He recognizes this sound because he currently lives with a dog. Um, and I like the detail of like the sound of claws on like mm -hmm. linoleum. Like mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. a nice little detail. Yeah. Uh and because we need more animal slander, it is of course a pit bull. Um because if you're gonna have a rabid dog that's really angry and bites people, it's gotta be a pit bull. Anyway, uh, the dog is not happy that he's here because he's breaking into the house. Uh, we get a minute detail of a string of drool coming out of this dog's mouth, which is supposed to be indicative of the rabies that this dog theoretically has. Uh, but also dogs drool. I was going to say so many dogs drool. <laughs> a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> I've definitely been at places. I'm not just calling Arrow out here. Bless <laughs> that boy. Um, like where I forget. Like definitely a, a jowly sort of breed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but like drool enough that when they get up, there is a puddle underneath yeah. where their face was. Yeah, like drooling's normal for dogs. Mm -hmm. Foaming at the mouth. That's the warning sign. You know. <sighs> Uh, so anyway. <laughs> Marco is caught. He, he, at some point, he has gotten into the room. Um, he has lunged for the door to close the door to the bedroom, but he is not fast enough. The dog gets in the room, and now he's like, What do I do now? Do I go for the exit, or do I try to morph? Oh, but I can't morph because I might hurt my friends. Um, it's too far away to make a dive for the camera, so he just goes for the window, um, and the dog bites him um, on the arm. And it's a gnarly bite, too. Uh, um, and I will, I, for the sake of picking holes, 
Mm-hmm. If the dog has already bitten you and is not willing to let go, you might as well go over to the fucking desk and grab the camera, my man. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, to be fair, Marco is not a big guy. That's yeah. frequently established. So I appreciate he may not be bit strong enough to move around with a pit bull hanging off one arm. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's also a panic-inducing kind of situation, right? You're not necessarily Absolutely. thinking clearly. <laughs> Um, but but he, nevertheless. Yeah. He grabs a baseball <laughs> bat um, and just kind of like whacks the dog across the haunches. I do like the detail, like just hard enough to get his attention, not enough to really hurt him. Uh, okay, so I'd broken into his home, but he didn't have to amputate my arm. <laughs> um, But the dog lets go. Uh, and... Uh, Marco like grabs an old shirt from the bed, wraps his arm with it, and bails. Um, <laughs> and bikes home. Um, and in biking home, he realizes now that he has a bloody nose. So something has happened inside of his nose that has made him start bleeding. In addition to dog bite. Um. Uh, it could also be his screaming that was the windy bit, mm. thinking of it. Well, because they've made this fucking choice to split the perspectives, but done so apparently with no respect for the timeline, it's impossible to know what is mm-hmm. happening when for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think you would use this opportunity to give context to the things that are happening, Yeah, but they don't. You would think that they would be able to tell that Marco is screaming, but... Well, they can't hear him. They're so small, Danielle, is the thing. <laughs> um. Such an asshole. <laughs> Imagine if you had the Helmicrons reacting to the sounds, though. Because they're mm. the size that can still hear. Yeah, they would be like, Aha, we have made the giant scream. Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Imagine if this book was good, y'all. Imagine if this book was good. (laughs) The thing is, and like, I could see a version of this that is interesting and Mm -hmm. revealing about the characters and is a cool sci-fi story that is a little silly, but could actually be interesting. This is not that book. Dear listeners, <laughs> at all. Uh, and so they have survived the storm, whatever the fuck it was. They morph back into their own bodies, pull themselves out of the snot. The Helmicrons are still yelling at each other. Um, and the kids are like, well, what do we do? Uh, I guess we fight them? Even though we're really, really tiny? Sure, we'll we'll fight them, yeah. but also try some diplomacy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because they also hit on to the fact that, oh, well, Helmicrons have, their ship is really well lit, so maybe they don't see very well in the dark. Mm-hmm. So we're going to split our limited resources between some of us that can see in the dark and some of us that can fight real good. This pisses me off. This is the dumbest fucking plan. Mm-hmm. This is so bad. They yeah. all have, except Cassie, I think, have morphs large enough that they could maybe be effective in a battle, or they need to go fully diplomacy. This like split approach doesn't work. Yeah. Um. Um, so uh, yeah so they take this weird split approach They're half of them are morphing battle morphs two of them are morphing owls and uh, Jake is gonna try some weird diplomacy Helmicron style uh, 
it doesn't want to get angry about the uh, sizing again. They do describe how big their morphs are in comparison to the Helmicrons. It's really annoying and frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's it's dumb. Uh, it doesn't work because, of course, it doesn't. <laughs> if the Helmicrons are bigger than, like, if they don't listen to you when they're smaller than you, of course they're not going to listen to you when they're a hundred times bigger than you. Like. They're smarter than this. They are. But apparently not. An, <laughs> but this is just another instance where it looks like the Ghost Rider really doesn't care about the characterization and, like, again, to call back to Shrugs earlier, it's just, like, moving the pieces around the board mm -hmm. to get the story beats. Mm-hmm.